from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, where we post all sorts of great content, including commentaries, interviews, and features. Just go to facebook.com slash djameskennedy and click like. What is a skeptic? The word skepticism comes from the Greek skeptomai, which means to search or to think about or to look for something. Now, this would seem to imply a certain open-minded approach and even inquisitiveness. Nowadays, however, a skeptic is someone who doubts everything, and skepticism has come to mean a system of suspended judgment, doubt, and criticism. Have you ever noticed that when some skeptical questions are posed, the one who is asking the question has little interest in the answer at all? In fact, their mind has already been made up. Common examples of these questions posed by skeptics of Christianity might be something like, well, what kind of God would allow this to happen? And how can your God allow good people to suffer? These are really thinly veiled condemnations of God. We are called to answer such claims against our almighty and triune God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Another common argument you might hear a religious skeptic bring up would be there are many in the world who have never heard of Jesus Christ. Will God condemn them? Dr. Kennedy thoroughly answers this difficult question in his message, What About Those Who Have Never Heard? And now won't you open your Bibles with me to the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, the most comprehensive statement of the Christian faith to be found anywhere in the Bible is in this letter to the Romans. We'll begin in chapter 1, verse 16. May we hear the infallible word of the living God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 
because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And may God speak to us today through his holy word, and may his name evermore be praised. Amen. What about those who have never heard? Those who have never heard of Christ? Though there are two billion professing Christians in the world today, there are still those that have never even heard of Christ. Now, sometime this will be stated in a very uh, irate fashion with a serrated edge. It goes something like this. Perhaps you've heard it. Do you mean to tell me that you believe that God is going to condemn somebody for simply not believing in a Jesus Christ he never heard of? Why, that is monstrous. You probably have heard that expressed in some fashion similar to that in your lifetime. This is the ignorance defense. How could God condemn anybody if they were ignorant? Why, why that's just unconscionable for God to do that. Now, you need to remember, as I've told you before, that fallen man is always trying to carry out his agenda, which is to condemn God and justify himself. Is it monstrous to condemn somebody for ignorance, for God to do a thing like that? Well, dear friends, what about our frequent boast of our own legal system wherein we say ignorance of the law is no excuse? The truth of the matter is God does take into consideration ignorance. We don't. We're the monsters. So let's get the story straight. The ignorance defense. How could God condemn somebody for simply not believing something that he never heard of? Now, of course, the presupposition of that objection is the idea that these people are completely ignorant, and therefore it would not be right to condemn them for something they didn't know about. But let's question that presupposition for a moment. Are people, are any people, completely ignorant of God? Well, if you were listening carefully this morning when we read the scriptures, you will have noticed this, where it says in Romans chapter 1, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. 
For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So we see that in the Bible, in numbers of places, we are told that God has revealed himself to all mankind in the light of creation. As the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his power. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth wisdom. There is no speech nor voice nor language where their voice is not heard. Everywhere around the world, when people look up at the night sky and see the vast multitude of stars twinkling in the black velvet, they realize that these were not created by any man. As the hymn writer said, the hand that made us is divine. And so it is. All over the world, people looking at the creation have come to believe in God, unless their minds have been twisted and distorted by some clever philosophy of atheism or unbelief of one sort or the other. The second light that God has given to mankind is described in the second chapter of Romans, and that is what is called the light of conscience, creation and now conscience where we are told that when God judges the secrets of men, their consciences and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another, that God has placed a moral monitor into the hearts of men whereby they know that some things are right and other things are wrong. Now this conscience can be slowly seared as with hot iron by repeated violations, but it is never completely gone and people are guilty for the whole process of searing their own consciences. And the evidence for the conscience of man is quite plain. And in the second chapter of Romans, which deals with conscience, we have that evidence clearly set forth, where Paul says, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art, that judgest another. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the very same thing, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest another, and doeth the same thing, that thou shalt escape the righteous judgment of God? For we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth, against them which do such things. But the judge of all the earth must do rightly. So there is our problem. Now the third light is found in the third chapter of the book of Romans. And it is not the light of creation nor the light of conscience, but it is the light of Christ. It is the light of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ who came into this world to take all of our guilt, 
all of our sins upon himself and to endure the outpouring of the wrath of God that we deserve in our place. That is the light of Christ, it is the light of grace, and it is not incumbent upon God to extend it to everyone. Let us make it very clear. It is not incumbent upon God to extend it to anyone. The great Charles Spurgeon said, the amazing thing is not that everybody isn't saved. The amazing thing is that anybody is saved. A judge must be just, but he doesn't have to pardon any criminal. And should he or a king or a president or a governor pardon any criminal, that is no reason why he must pardon all criminals. As God has said, Christ has said, is it not right for me to do what I will with what is my own? Grace is not owed to anyone. Otherwise, it very simply is not grace. It is debt. God may have mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he wills he hardens. And so therefore, the light of Christ is not extended to everyone, but is to be offered to the whole world. And thus we see the exclusivity of the gospel, but also its inclusiveness as well because no one is kept out because of his race or color, because of his social status, because of his education or lack of it. Everyone is invited to come. There is no difference. All may come and find mercy at the hands of Christ. But because God extends it to some does not mean that he must extend it to, to any other. He must be just. He doesn't have to be gracious or merciful to any guilty sinner. Any more than we would rejoice if the governor, having released one criminal in Florida, should decide that next week he is going to empty the prisons in the state of Florida and you will be living with all of those murderers and rapists and child molesters and all of the rest, they're all going to be dumped right into society. I guarantee you there would be a huge outcry. So therefore, the idea that God owes to everyone some offer of mercy is totally foreign from the Bible. And the idea that there is an ignorance defense, the folly of that and the fallacy of it can see, be seen if we apply a little logic to it. For example, turn the tape of the world's history backward. Today there are two billion plus professing Christians. Go back 2,000 years and there, were, there was none. So you see, if we go backward, we find that nobody knew the gospel, and therefore the offer of mercy 
had not yet been offered to anyone at all. And in that case, if it is merely true that to be ignorant of the gospel is sufficient to allow you admission into heaven, remember the objection. You don't mean to tell me that you believe that God is going to condemn someone who never heard of the gospel of Christ 2,000 years ago. Nobody heard of it. Therefore, ergo, they all will be admitted into heaven, according to that logic. So, we find that when Christ was born, the whole world was on its way to heaven. Then Jesus came, and millions of people are going to hell. Consequently, we must conclude that Jesus Christ is not the greatest, most wonderful, most marvelous person that ever lived. He is the greatest malefactor that the world has ever seen, the greatest evildoer. He came into a world that was saved and has succeeded in sending millions or billions to hell. Ah, my friends, that's just not the way the facts are. The whole world layeth in the hands of the evil one. Darkness covered the earth. All of mankind was lost in sin. And then the glad tidings came. And then the angel proclaimed good tidings, for unto you is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. No, when you take the just, the ignorance defense and run it backward, it ends up in total chaos. Or run the tape forward. If you think that evangelism explosion, for example, one I'm fairly familiar with, is a good program for winning the world to Christ, let me tell you of a far better one. Now, this far better one is based upon the presuppositions of the ignorance defense. Simply fire all the preachers, close all the churches, burn all of the Bibles and all other religious books, and in a couple of generations, nobody will know about Christ and everybody will be saved. We haven't done that in 2,000 years. Isn't that a wonderful plan? We'll call that evangelism implosion. Obviously, the folly of that speaks very loudly to the error of the ignorance defense. If indeed man is sinful, which not only every religion attests, But the Bible declares from the very beginning, and the only hope we have is a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, there are Christians, even, in addition to the skeptics and atheists of all kinds, who would like to say, you mean to tell me that God is going to condemn someone for simply not believing in a Jesus he never heard of, there are even Christians that will make the same objection. Now, they won't express it in such a sawtoothed fashion, but nevertheless, the same objection has been heard. I heard it expressed at the World Congress on Evangelism in Berlin by a noted Christian minister. Why would Christians say a thing like that? 
Well, to get the answer to that question, as with so many other moral questions, all you need to do is just remember that we are sinful, fallen creatures. It is far easier to simply declare that all people who are ignorant are going to go to heaven, ignorant of the gospel. It's far easier to declare that than it is to declare that they are lost and apart from Christ without hope because it is then our responsibility to tell them. But if we can simply declare that since they are ignorant, they are going to go to heaven because of that ignorance, we certainly wouldn't want to enlighten them. And that takes care of that. And let me tell you, millions of church members would be a whole lot more comfortable with that theology because it allows them to sit on their sofa and do nothing at all. And they will feel perfectly at ease because, after all, they're going to be all right, aren't they? Ah, dear friend, Jesus Christ declared, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Those that believe shall be saved, and those that do not will be everlastingly condemned. The responsibility rests with us. May we pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Spirit will give us a clear vision of the plight of the lost, those who are on their way to eternal perdition, to damnation forever, and that we might experience something of the burden upon our hearts to take the glorious glad tidings that there is a way in which they may find forgiveness and pardon and even the free gift of eternal life in paradise. O oh God, may we not shirk our responsibility and our glorious opportunity to be the bearers of everlasting good tidings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. If you don't yet know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, don't wait any longer. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. What we mean by salvation is that because of our sin, we are separated from an all-holy God. On the one hand, God is merciful, and He doesn't want to punish us. But on the other hand, He's just, and He must punish our sin. We have a problem. We're basically sinners in need of a Savior. But God solved our problem by sending Jesus, His only Son, 
to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus went willingly to the cross for you and for me, and by doing so, he purchased a place in heaven for us, which he offers as a free gift. We don't deserve it, and we can never earn it, but it can be yours today. Simply pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to receive the gift of eternal life that you offer. I'm sorry for my sins and the wrongs that I've committed in thoughts and action. Please forgive me. I place my trust in you alone, and I pray this in your name. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer, and if you did, we have a special gift for you. It's beginning again. The book written by Dr. Kennedy to help you begin to grow in your new faith. It's a perfect introduction to your Christian walk, and we'll send it to you when you write to our address or call our toll-free number. Be sure and ask for Beginning Again, and may God bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy so eloquently challenged each of us, we have a responsibility to share the gospel and to speak the truth. At D. James Kennedy Ministries, we take that calling seriously in a culture that is increasingly skeptical and hostile to Christians and Christianity. While that hostility is not new, we have been tracking a new kind of dangerous discrimination. Giant technology companies and internet monopolies are inventing strategies to censor Christian viewpoints, cut off the free flow of ideas, and the access to commerce. And some of the biggest companies in the world, including Facebook, Google, and Amazon, are complicit. It is absolutely essential that you understand this battle and that you be equipped to stand your ground. Our ability, yours and mine, to proclaim the gospel and biblical truth hangs in the balance. One quarter of all the world's population uses Facebook. The vast majority of people under 40 get all of their information from the internet. That's why you need to read our brand new book, The New Gatekeepers, Censoring Christians in the Digital Age. We will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or you can go online to djkm.org. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we will also send you a two-DVD set of Dr. D. James Kennedy's messages called Thieves of Liberty. He recognized the rare gift of freedom and its Christian foundations. And if we see those foundations eroded, we could lose the future. Dr. Kennedy will help you see the reality of the ongoing battle between truth and lies and between good and evil. And he'll provide you with biblical equipping for that spiritual battle. We are also producing a special documentary program on this subject to air nationally in July. And your generous donation will help us to do that as well. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org.
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries. 